everybody that's all hand-horned. This is Benjamin Wednesday. Hey, Jerry. Oh, driver of the Jeff Monster truck. This is David Smith with King Crunch. Hey, this is Darren Basil. Hey, this is Mark Shreya, the driver of the Devastator Monster truck. Gary Shunt, Jr. Hey, this is Barry Moose and you're listening to allmonster.com Beyond the Land. A picture or a video may be worth a thousand words, but sometimes bigger stories not always told. We are a program dedicated to telling you those stories with analysts and opinions from those that go beyond the lens. We are allmonster.com Beyond the Lens. Welcome to another edition of Behind the Lens, brought to you by allmonster.com. I'm Jeremy Puglisi. Today we have Ed Horman, Dustin Hart, and special guest appearance by Robbie Hot. Today we're talking all kinds of monster truck activities. We got Philadelphia information, Quincy, Illinois. We're going over to Madrid, Spain. So let's get right into it. We're going to talk about Philadelphia that happened two weeks ago at a Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Huge lineup of trucks for this show. I mean, it was an all-star lineup. Twelve trucks. You had uh, Digger Legend with Adam Anderson, Grave Digger driven by uh, Charlie Pockin. Mags D, Advanced Auto Parts Grinder. You had all these great caliber trucks there. And your fast qualifier for the show was the Digger Legend truck driven by Adam Anderson. I believe he had an 18 or a 19 second run. It, it was pretty fast. Um, the track conditions themselves, um, it was kind of dusty for racing. It, it led the trucks to drift around the corners a little bit. And that caused a bit of an issue. If you haven't seen the photo gallery yet, it's available on allmonster.com right now. You'll notice a lot of the trucks as they came off the ramps were kind of going cockeyed to one side or the other. I feel that was because the track led to such high-speed turns that the momentum coming out of the turn when you were hitting the ramp for racing just was, <clears throat> it was just way too much. The truck had nowhere to go. So it had to, you know, kind of kick off to one side or the other. And one truck fell victim to that in qualifying or round number one. I'm pretty sure it was qualifying. That'd be the uh, advanced off parts grinder. He tore the uh, both four-link bars out of it, tore out some drive shafts, damaged a lot of shocks, and he just was not back for the night. He was done after that. Um, another truck that was having a lot of issues with that but didn't suffer any damage was the El Toro Loco machine driven by Mark McDonald. I don't think he had a single uh, jump of the night where he wasn't cockeyed in racing. So The ramps themselves, they were pretty level. They were really steep. I walked the track earlier in the day, but um, I feel that the dusty conditions around the turn led for the trucks to carry a lot of momentum, and that could have caused an issue there. So you saw a lot of great racing action, a lot of very close calls. But your overall winner for racing in Philadelphia was Gravedigger Legend. Ed, have you heard anything about the show? You want to chime in on anything here? Uh, Racing-wise, you know, Jeremy, you, you pretty much uh, had my point with the cockiness of the way the jumps were. And it seemed like all the trucks were having a little bit of issues with that. But the trucks that were, you know, gr um, the truck that was able to um, maneuver that and figure that out was the one that won it. It was a great racing layout. I liked it. I thought it kind of gave an interesting dimension to it. Uh, more than likely, it'll probably be fixed later on for next year. You want to go on with freestyle now, Jeremy? Of course, Ed. Freestyle is always the big show. A lot of fans really like coming out and seeing that. And this year, they had a lot of really cool obstacles out there. Uh, they had a jammer stack, and that's um, a bend around the turn that has a bunch of cars buried in it. I've never heard it called that before, but they called it a jammer stack. Um, that was really steep. I was actually walking up on that during the... Uh, during the track construction itself, and that was a really steep angle on both sides, so that led to a lot of great wheelies, and we'll talk about that here in just a second. Also, down on the other end of the stadium, opposite from where I was sitting, was a killer bus stack that you could hit from just about any angle. It had a bunch of ramps and cars, you know, buried into it, and there was a bus in there, and it, it just made for a really good racing, or a, a really good freestyle obstacle. And of course, they brought out the special painted Philadelphia car from the art museum. Uh, they brought out a couple van stacks and that kind of thing. 
Um, the racing lanes themselves, I said it earlier, that they were really steep, so that provided a ton of air. I mean, the trucks could just hit that at a moderate speed, and they were really going to sky it out. Um, but the one thing that really impressed me was that jammer stack. Um, if you were hitting it going towards the opposite end of the stadium, you could get a pretty nice slap wheel out of that. I think out of the 12 trucks, uh, actually 11 freestyled, no, excuse me, 10 freestyled, out of the 10 that freestyled, I think maybe 6 or 7 of them had slap wheelies off of that. So it, it was designed for slap wheelies. And I think the two biggest freestyles of the night, obviously uh, Gravedigger, driven by Charlie Pockin, he uh, hit a slap wheelie off that jammer stack, rode it all the way down into the bus stack, and he landed that first one successfully. He came off the bus stack going the other way, rode a wheelie down towards my end of the stadium, and then hit the jammer stack, which, which caused him to flip over almost like an endo. And uh, a lot of people have said there really wasn't any skill there. It was just a lot of luck, and I really have to disagree with them on that. Because I was sitting right there and I heard him burp in the throttle trying to get that, those tires to, you know, grab some dirt and pull them back down, which he did. So to me, that is a technical save. That's not just driver luck. The other freestyle of the night was a short one, but it was a fantastic one. It really gave, uh, Charlie a run for his money. It was definitely Max D. Um, you know, he, he did a couple of hits off the, uh, regular van stacks and the racing lanes and all that stuff. But his big thing was when he came off the, um, the bus stack down at the opposite end of the stadium, he came over in reverse, he broke the tie rod, he bent a couple four-link bars, which caused him to flip it over, but you know how Tom is, he doesn't like to go over easy, so he was just mashing the throttle, trying to get those tires to bite and flip them back over. Never did. Uh, he was on the sidewalls for a while, he hit one of the freestyle obstacles, which kind of caused him to do almost a tail whip, and uh, he kind of just nosed it into the ground, and it was really spectacular, really short though, so your, ra uh, your freestyle winner in Philadelphia was definitely Grave Digger with Charlie Pocken behind the wheel. Ed, opinions? The one thing that we all talked about off the air that I kind of had mentioned to myself about this when I saw the, the video was I thought that Tom should have been RII'd um, maybe sooner than he was RII'd or he, Tom shut himself off or whatever like that. Um, he did have a bent four-link bar and um, tie rod, as you said, and I kind of was a little weary about that, that a part might flaw off or something like that. A few runs before that, Lindsey Wink and the Lucas Oil Crusader actually had a part come off. And I know that, that from you telling me earlier, it was kind of scary situation there. But I thought Tom should have been RII'd. Um, you know, what are your guys' opinions on that? Well, guys, it's a tricky discussion here when you start just, you know, talking about, okay, what is the point in which you shut a truck off? You know, neither of us have ever, you know, been involved in, you know, tech position or anything like that. I don't want to be holding the RII in that situation. So it's never an easy decision to make. But, uh, you know, I, you know, I can see both sides of the argument here. You know, Tom Mintz is one of the best drivers in the world, hands down. I don't think there's any question about that. And if there's anybody that has the skill in which to bring something like that back, it's Tom Mintz. But you have to start looking at some other factors like, you know, the four-link bar was bent in pretty good. Not close enough to get into the drive shaft loops and cause any issues there, but it does possibly lead to some flimsy elements, stuff flying around, you know, especially with as hard as that truck was hitting as it was bouncing around and spinning up in the air. Uh, you know, it, it's not a far stretch to see that, you know, with the four-link bar coming out of whack and kind of shifting everything else around, that it could lead to some further issues. However, you know, in this case and as other cases we've seen earlier this year with how Tom has been trying to recover these trucks, you know, in these ridiculous save opportunities, you know, it seems like the truck is held up very well considering the punishment that he's put it through. Um, 
you know, it, it is a difficult situation if you're the one that's holding the radio there because, okay, there's the obvious concern of a possibility of something being damaged and, you know, further action perhaps leading to any issues or that, you know, Tom has the driver's skill to be able to pull it out and do you have that trust level and respect to kind of let him try and drive it out and trust that he's not going to put the truck into a situation where it's going to endanger anybody. Dustin, you make a lot of good points there, and I have to agree with you. I don't ever want to be the one holding the RI unless I've been trained, so I just want to put that out there. None of us on this podcast have any kind of tech skills, so these are just our opinions and ours alone. I honestly feel like he probably shouldn't have been RI'd, and here's why. Um, yes, the tie rod on the back uh, axle broke, so the rear tires are flopping around a little bit. Yes, there was a bent forming bar. Uh, there might have been some shock damage on there. I don't exactly remember, but the point that I'm going to make was he was in a lower speed situation. He was kind of doing a, a gyroscope situation, and I don't feel like that amount of speed would have flung any potential parts into any dangerous situations. Um, if the four-link bar was dangling off as he's hitting this freestyle ramp to do his tail whip, then, you know, yeah, I would have shut him down. But I think just with a bent four-link bar and a broken tie rod and some damaged shocks, I don't really think it was a, a situation that needed to be shut down. With that being said, with the pot, with the part that showed off of uh, the Crusader truck, yeah, I think that was the right call. Um, a, sh- a part did get up into the stands. I believe it was just a shot cap, and I think they made the right call by shutting that down. A lot of people missed that. All you could see or all you could hear was just a loud pop, and then I used my camera lens to kind of find where it went after that. But um, great job to the tech officials catching that one because a lot of people missed that. But getting back to the main point here, I don't feel Tom should have been uh, RII'd. And, you know, I've explained my points. Ed, what's your take on it? You know, after we're having this little discussion here, I see both of your guys' points. And, you know, really, like I said, I, I still think he, he should have been RII'd for maybe Tom's own good. And so he didn't try to do a little crazy things. Um, you know, we've all been – we had a joke kind of uh, before – the show that uh you know he might have been playing a video game before he got out there and he was imitating the video game uh that so many people are now playing on the internet but um you know that's not the point um you know i'm not a tech official i just you know i just do this podcast it's my opinion i i kind of think he should have been shut off just so for his own good um i was a little worried after seeing Lindsay's part and something else might happen but that's just me and uh we can all have our opinions that's what's so great about this well, when we look at this, we also kind of encounter another issue, and I've discussed this with a few other folks within the industry before. There was a little bit, I guess you could say, some ruffled feathers with the situation and what happened in Dallas the first time that uh, Tom had made one of these saves. And we had a similar situation to that in that on the jump that led to Tom being rolling, to roll over and then back on the off boards, again, we had a bent forelink bar involved there to the point where it, again, wasn't, anywhere that was going to cause any issues as far as contacting, you know, an element of the driveline. But I think what is kind of, I think, ruffled some feathers is consistency in how, uh, you know, something is called in that situation. You know, it's all often been, you know, I kind of said that, you know, some drivers maybe get a little more leniency on the RII and that, you know, there's a trust, you know, amount of trust there between the tech officials and the driver. And that, okay, you're used to seeing what, you know, a driver's capable of doing and know their experience level when it comes to driving a truck. Um, you know, I think there are some guys out there that are saying, yeah, okay, you know, we know that Tom can can handle this stuff, 
He knows how to, you know, pull it back out of that situation. But, you know, are we going to get the same treatment should our guy go out there and, you know, try and try and bring a truck back in that same situation? Um, you know, I don't know how you would call that. You know, that's a, that's a tough decision to make. You know, again, I don't envy that position to be there holding the radio and sit there and say, okay, I know Tom's capable of saving this, but is there something wrong with that truck? And you have to be really quick on that. I mean, when we were talking about the situation in Dallas earlier this year, you know, even in some of the high definition video clips that were posted from that event, it was hard to tell that there was a four link bar bed, you know, and, and then, you know, in the situation in Philadelphia this weekend, all that happened, or this past weekend, everything happened within a split second. So it's really easy for us to sit back here, play the Monday morning quarterback role and say, oh, well, there's a bent four-link bar. He should have been shut off. No, no question about it. You know, all that stuff happens within a split second. You know, until you've been in that position and understand what you have to be looking for at all times, you know, it's, it's a lot harder for us to sit back here and, you know, play the Monday morning quarterback role. Um, you know, I've spoken with my fair share of people involved with the industry, and when you start to understand and see what they're looking for, kind of makes it a little bit more clear. And then at the same time, it makes the debate even more, you know, intense. So I don't know. It's a it's a weird, it's a tough situation there. But uh, you know, all things considering, I'm glad nothing happened. Uh, it looked pretty ridiculous, and I think everybody really had a great time in Philadelphia. Well, you bring up a lot of good points, and I think the best point that you made in that whole speech right there was the fact that the guy holding the RII only has two, three seconds tops to make a decision. And the guy making the decision, is it's very subjective. To him, he feels that a four-link bar being bent might not be that bad of a, you know, a thing to worry about. When, again, you know, the guy working the show you know, in the next state over, he might feel that a bent four-link bar is something that you definitely have to shut the truck down for. Plus, you also have to take in consideration, are you going to do building damage? Is there, you know, crowd safeties or crowd issues? Are there driver issues, crew issues? You've got to take all that stuff into effect. So you're looking at four or five different, you know, inputs to make your three-second decision on. So, you know, it, it's very subjective. You're never going to have a hard-drawn rule. You know, if, you know, left rear four-link bar is bent, you shut the truck off. If the shot cap blows off, you let it go. You're never going to have rules like that. It's all very subjective, and I think we have to keep that in mind. Yeah, all things considering, I mean, it's pretty safe to say the tech officials do a phenomenal job in making these judgment calls on a regular basis. The only time we ever really bring them up in this in this type of a situation is, of course, when there's some, maybe some question about whether or not a truck should have should not have been shut off. Um, so hats off to all those tech officials out there. Those guys bust their tails week in and week out, and you know it's not easy. Sometimes you take a little flack for making the decisions you make, but. Those guys know the responsibility that they carry, and I have the utmost respect for that. Oh, exactly. And that was actually, I was just going to say, nothing but respect for those guys. I'm not bashing them. I don't and I don't even want to have run an RII myself. It's it's crazy thing, as Jeremy was saying. you got three seconds to, you know, hit that and think about all these other things. You know, I respect them the utmost, and after this weekend, I respect them even more. What's up, guys? I want to show my appreciation to Jeremy, Ed, and Dustin for being on the show this week and providing their great, as always, insight. Just a few thoughts from Philadelphia. It was a fantastic show all around. That is going to be a show that is definitely entrenched in Monster Jam's roots for the early summer second quarter season. And uh, now it's the beginning of the Monster Jam season. We've seen already a World Finals qualifier this year in Tom Minson. Boy, did he have a crazy show in freestyle. Pretty crazy all around, 
for most of the trucks, a lot of breakage and everything. Uh, a couple of the unfortunate uh, incidents as far as breakage goes. Jeremy Slifko in backdraft, the hometown boy, if you will, had a drive shaft problem in racing and uh, thought he had everything fixed and taken care of and then had another issue with a drive shaft straight away coming out for freestyle. He was obviously real disappointed, uh, but looked for Jeremy to bounce back. He's got a couple of big shows coming up, Cincinnati and uh, Baltimore in just a few short weeks so not too bad for jeremy i spoke with him a little bit uh, obviously he was disappointed but uh is working on picking up some uh some support for his independent team and he's looking real good for the rest of the summer so good luck to jeremy and uh be sure to check out backdraftmt.com for all the latest updates and news on the backdraft monster truck now moving along we also had a couple of things that i noticed right away Carl Van Horn had a great freestyle and monster mutt. Chassis that was unusual to him, he was called in as a uh, last-minute replacement and uh, had a solid freestyle. I was also able to get in touch with him, and uh, he told me he was having trouble seeing out of the truck. No big surprise there. Monster mutt is notorious for its uh, invisibility, if you will, and uh, had trouble in racing, but uh, once he get hit freestyle, he stood that truck up into a couple of beautiful slap wheelies, and uh, got crossed up a little early, did a little damage. He was upset with that. Uh, told me his rear shocks were acting up after about the third hit. Uh, a little bit stiff there. But uh, overall, not a bad experience. It's always good to see CVH behind the wheel of any truck. And, uh, you know, what a way to lead off freestyle there. Then moving along, of course, we had uh, the run that stood out to me uh, more than anyone's was Chris Bergeron's. And uh, some people might argue with this, but that's okay. Uh I really enjoyed watching Chris's run. I thought it was solid. I thought he had some of the most insanely fast cyclones that I've seen in a long time on that Philadelphia dirt. I thought he had big air. I thought his run had a little bit of everything, and he drove the truck into the trailer, most importantly. So congratulations to Chris. I know it's been a rough few uh, months for him with the uh, Vegas uh, rollover, the tough hit there that he took, and uh, it's good to see him behind the wheel and uh, kicking butt once again. So Congratulations to Chris on a great run there. And then who can who else would it be but Charlie Pawkin taking a great freestyle victory in Gravedigger? Uh, not even his normal truck. I mean, it's been an incredible couple of weeks for Charlie Pawkin, dating back to his domination of Derby uh, in the United Kingdom and then just coming straight into Philadelphia, basically, and hopping in a different truck than his normal Gravedigger. Uh, he actually was in Dennis's Gravedigger 20 uh, for this weekend, and seamless transition he stood that truck up into a great slap wheelie tremendous save for those of you that have not seen the flip save go see it we have all the videos from philadelphia and various other events liked or favorited on our youtube channel all monster videos and from there make sure you take care of that check it out for all of you that were arguing that there was no throttle input no no driver rhythm to that um i say that uh, you're wrong that was a tremendous save. If you had hit the throttle at the wrong time, then you were going to go over. If you hit the throttle not at all, then you were going to go over. Uh, Charlie felt those front tires touch down, gassed into it to bring the truck back on all fours, and he was rewarded with a brilliant save and another freestyle victory to add to an already blazing summer for the one-time Monster Mutt driver, sometimes Monster Mutt driver, and always a great Gravedigger driver. Congratulations to Charlie Pawkin, and that's all I got from Philadelphia. 
All right, that's going to do it for our Philadelphia recap. Special thanks out to Andrew Palachko and Carl Van Horn with the Monster Mont Race team. They were all very helpful during the whole weekend. Thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate your help. All right, moving on, let's go ahead and talk about Quincy, Illinois. Ed, you were there live. Tell us all about it. Yes, I was. And we actually, we on our Twitter page, we kind of talked about a little surprise that we had going on there. And uh, I kind of posted on my Facebook page what it was. But uh, I'm going to let it cat out the bag. I was actually given the opportunity to drive Megasaurus. And uh, Jeremy actually saw it the week before in Philadelphia. But I was given the opportunity to drive it. Uh, Mike West, he, uh, the owner-operator of the machine, the, set, the driver of it actually had a mer- family emergency. And uh, he was in a pension and asked me if I'd do it. Uh, and I gladly accepted it. And um, it was an experience that uh, I will never forget, and I want to personally thank Mike West for that. Uh, driving Megasaurus out there during intermission, the fire-breathing, car-eating machine uh, that that close and being there and doing that was just an experience I'll never forget. And, uh, you know, big thanks to Mike for that. But uh, in Quincy, we actually have five trucks. Let me list these trucks really quick because there's actually a change that went on. Uh, Bad Habits, Grave Digger, Grinder, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Stone, and Stone Crusher were there Thursday night. Uh, Joey Sylvester and the Bad Habits machine had a great freestyle going on. Um, and then at the end of it, he threw two rods through the motor, and uh, he had to pack it up and go home. So the fine folks at Feld Entertainment made a call up to their corporate office, and uh, Alex Blackwell was brought in with the Nitro Circus machine, and uh, he came in and filled in for the rest of the, t- the other two nights there, uh, Friday and Saturday, and he did a phenomenal job. He won racing uh, Friday night. But the big thing that I want to talk about is a few surprises for me, myself. Uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Aaron Basil, he impressed me. Um, I, he's one of those drivers that he drives a second truck, so he's got to drive. He can't drive. He doesn't drive as hard as maybe your grave diggers or stuff like that because he wants to make sure his stuff stays together week in and week out. But I think if he was given that opportunity to step into a bigger name truck, uh, that he would be one of those performers that would be up there, make a name for himself even bigger than what he is. Another surprise performance for me, Frank Krimmel on the grinder. Um, I've seen Frank drive before, but I haven't seen him drive uh, live. Um, seeing him live, his his racing game is top-notch, but his freestyle is definitely pick it up. Uh, Friday night during his freestyle, which he won, all the drivers were... Uh, in the back cheering him on telling him to to try doing this double jump on the front stretch and everything and uh, it was pretty awesome to see that another surprise for me first time seeing him and uh, I also want to give him a big thanks because he allowed me to crew for him for the weekend too the stone crusher driven by Darren Migas Um, what can I say about him he's a fantastic person his driving style is awesome and uh, you guys need to watch out for him because uh, I think he's going to be bigger and better this coming up year and uh, soon we might just find out where he might be next year. Uh, the other one, Nitro Circus and Alex Blackwell, he uh, he had to, you know, he was thrown into that truck really late last minute uh, Friday. Uh, not his normal truck, not his normal seat. Uh, he had a few problems getting in there, but he was finally able to situate in that truck, get it dialed in for Friday and Saturday. One racing, like I said, had solid performances all weekend, and uh, he did great. I want to personally thank Mike West and Darren Regas for uh, allowing myself, Chris Kalen, and Josh Rhodes in uh, Quincy, Illinois. And uh, I want to thank Fell Motorsports and be on the lookout for some photos from myself and Josh from this past weekend. Yeah, you had an awesome field of trucks out there in Quincy for a you know, simple little speedway show. But uh, I think one thing that stuck out to me when I was looking at the results from this weekend was kind of 
the lack of big wins coming from Pablo Huffaker and Gravedigger. Uh, you know, Pablo is definitely one of, I think, the top-notch upper echelon drivers in this sport. And uh, you can tell the field's tough when Pablo is not sweeping events. Uh, and it looks like that was the case. Looks like Pablo, you know, may have found some mechanical issues as well. But you know, it's not too often when you see a show that Pablo's at, he doesn't come away with a majority of the wins. Uh, you know, also you brought up Aaron Basil. Uh, as we've spoken about many times here on the podcast, the Basil brothers, I think, are kind of like the future of the sport. If those guys, you know, they play a, you know, a difficult role sometimes being the second driver on a two truck team, whereas you know the the first truck was you know usually the team owner kind of situation, and you know those are the trucks that have to run, you know, a majority of the time. Both Darren and Aaron are phenomenal talents behind the wheel. I think both of those guys really deserve a shot at the World Finals in the near future. And uh, you know, really looking forward to see their careers bloom behind the wheel of monster trucks. Uh, Darren Migas, again, as you said, you know, class act, great guy to be around. And uh, you know, the Rising Star Award winner this year, he just continues to grow behind the wheel of the truck. Uh, just a phenomenal talent behind the wheel. I think he proved that this year during first quarter with the Stone Crusher. Uh, just some absolutely breakout performances, places like San Antonio and Houston and Oakland. Um, you know, always looking forward to see what Darren Miguez has behind in store behind the wheel of any monster truck, regardless of what body it's running or what chassis. Dude can drop flat out drive the wheels off of him anytime he gets behind the wheel. You know, you mentioned Gravedigger, and I had just thought about this and completely forgot about it, actually. You're right, Pablo had a tough break this weekend. Uh, Friday night in Donuts which uh, they did wheelies Thursday and then donuts Friday and Saturday. Uh, the reason being is because when they did wheelies, it wasn't as entertaining as it should have been, so they went to donuts instead, and uh, it was a lot more entertaining. But back to my point. Um, Pablo was going for his uh, donut and actually broke a rear pinion in the uh, back end, and he was out for the night uh, Friday. Saturday, he had tough luck in freestyle, had a good freestyle going, went over the center van stack and ended up bending a four-link bar and doing something else. I can't remember uh, the exact damage, but he did that, and then that gave the win to Darren Migas and uh, Stone Crusher. And the other uh, tidbit of information, Nitro Circus was actually the 20th truck that Alex Blackwell has been behind the wheel of. And uh, he told the fans that, and I didn't realize that Alex has actually been behind the wheel of 20 different monster trucks. Well, as we were saying before we started recording the show, Blackwell is one of those guys where pretty much almost any other weekend you go around to a show, there's a good possibility you'll bump into him. It seems like him and Chad Tingler pretty much just always around. Um, you know, guys like Tingler, Van Horn, Blackwell, Kreml, have always been kind of go-to guys that in any situation – you could rely on them to hop behind the wheel of a truck and put on a great show and, you know, do live up to the expectations that are put forth for that truck at any given weekend. Um, you know, I've seen Blackwell in a variety of trucks myself, uh, you know, from Captain's Curse, Monster Mutt, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, between the number of different chassis, different style of trucks that he's driven over the years, uh, you know, I'm not surprised to see that number's already hit 20, and I wouldn't doubt that the number will keep growing here as long as Alex is driving the truck. You know, it it just caught me by surprise because, you know, I followed Alex's career, and I guess I just didn't realize that he had been in that many different machines. And, you know, he, he it's not like he hasn't been successful in all of them. It's, it's awesome to see 
the success that he has with each one, and I'm glad that he has, you know, given the opportunity to Captain's Curse and stuff like that. But it was just a surprise and a shock to me that he has actually been in 20 different trucks, which was, like I said, just surprising to me. All right, next up on the docket for uh, this podcast, the Monster Jam Europe Tour visited the Vicente Calderon Stadium in Madrid, Spain, for this weekend, and the big story coming out of Madrid, George Balhan and the Mohawk Warrior. Coming out with a huge weekend, sweeping the event, doubling down uh, in impressive fashion. Uh, fantastic freestyle coming from Balhan there. Uh, one of the few drivers that went the full length. Uh, you know, great run, plenty of slap wheelies in there like George likes to do. Just an all around fantastic run. Uh, props to George. Definitely, you know, one of those breakout events for him. Uh, you know, he had the big freestyle win in Miami this year, but I think this is the first time he's ever doubled down a stadium event. Uh, some other interesting news and notes from the event. Uh, Nicole Johnson, uh, who had spent all the first quarter in the Tasmanian Devil Machine, got her first crack at a stadium event in uh, Madrid driving the Disney XD ride and did a pretty good job. Uh, fared well for herself, had an impressive freestyle run, did pretty well there. Um, Leo Donald carrying some momentum that he's been uh, working with uh, since Vegas. Had another great freestyle run into her, until an unfortunate bounce, bounce tossed him on his lid. Dustin Brown got another chance behind the wheel. This time he was driving the Spider-Man piece. Had a good freestyle run going until uh, he, he decided he was going to copy Carl Van Horn from Philadelphia and uh, ended up on his lid there a little bit early. I know Dustin's kind of kicking himself for how he did that, but uh, as I'd like to point out, hey, it happens to the best of them. You know, something similar situation happened to Carl Van Horn last the prior week in uh, Philadelphia, you know, just one of those unfortunate deals. You go after something, and you just don't realize how unlined up you are and end up on your lid. Charlie Pawkin had an interesting weekend out in Madrid, uh, was a part of a little stunt during the show. Uh, if you're not familiar with the uh, Mini Cooper commercial that aired where it was featured a uh, CGI'd uh, bounty hunter clearing over five or six uh, Mini Coopers in a commercial, uh, they decided to basically bring that stunt to life with Gravedigger and had Charlie Pawkin go out and blast over, I believe it was about five or six Mini Coopers out in the middle of the floor and uh, got some really great air in that jump. Had some pyrotechnics thrown in there. It was a pretty cool visual there. And uh, had a great freestyle run going until you know, an unfortunate rollover ended up on his side and uh, you know cut his effort short. But uh, all in all, it was a spectacular event out there in Madrid. Uh, really a massive stadium. The crowd seemed to be really into it. Uh, looking forward to seeing more from the future from the Monster Jam Europe Tour. And that's it for another fantastic edition of AllMonster.com's Beyond the Lens. On behalf of Jeremy Glissy, Robbie Hart, Dustin Hart, we'll see you here next week. And that's it for this edition of the AllMonster.com Beyond the Lens. On behalf of everyone here at the show, please tune in next time and thank you.